Welcome to Mental Wealth Entrepreneurs Podcast, a podcast for resilient entrepreneurs. My guest today is Diane Hatke, a founder of Primal Nosh, a meal preparation company based in Florida, US. After nearly bankrupting her first business, then rolling from its recovery right into marital struggles, Diane has never been one to call it quits. Instead of giving up on either, she began a personal journey of self-mastery to uncover core beliefs that led her down this path in the first place. So let's listen to Diane's story, how she did it. Okay, welcome back to Mental Wealth Entrepreneurs Podcast. I'm Katrina Thomas, and today I chat with Diane Hatke, who is the business owner of Primal Nosh, uh, a food prep company. Hi, Diane. Hi, thank you for having me. That's great for, for, for you to come to this podcast because we usually have coaches and um, all, all type of um, um, solopreneurs. And we've, we've, we've had just few, uh, few, few entrepreneurs who actually run physical businesses like yours. <laughs> so it's great to have you on the podcast. So just to start, can you say... Um, can you tell the listeners uh, why you've chosen this name, Primal Nosh? What is the mission? What is the uh, what is the vision behind this brand? Yeah, so um, it actually was Primal Pre-Made Nutrition, but that's a mouthful. <laughs> so that's still technically our legal name. I started it a little over six years ago, mainly because I had graduated with a master's degree in psychology, but it was general psychology. So I couldn't really do anything with it. I'd intended on a PhD. And um, I, I, after I got into my master's program, I was like, this isn't for me. Uh, I love psychology. but um, And I had gotten really into health and fitness while I was in school. I became really passionate about eating healthy. And there wasn't anything like this in my area. Meal prep was still really, really new. So I, I, I don't know. It was kind of something that I'd brainstormed with friends for a few months. And I was at a job that I hated. And one day after going back and forth with them, like, hey, can we start this? Let's get the ball rolling. And they kind, they just didn't really show much interest. I was like, whatever, I'm doing it. I got my LLC. I um, got a Facebook page, my all of the stuff you needed to get things up and running. And I started just with a sign-up sheet at my gym. And the intention was to provide healthy, fully prepared meals to people who didn't have time to cook or didn't want to cook. Um, and so that's that's how it got started. And it started as Primal Pre-Made Nutrition, which is a mouthful. And even my own employees had a hard time. They'd be like, we work for a Primal Pre-Made. I'm like, if my own employees have a hard time <laughs> spitting out where they work, we should probably come up with another name. So uh, three years into business, I think, three and a half or so, we decided to change the name, brainstormed for a while. I wanted to keep Primal in it because I think that describes what we offer, which is a whole food, clean based service. Um, and then the Nosh, one of my employees actually came to me with, and it means to eat enthusiastically, or that's one definition of it. Um, and I really like that because we wanted to provide people with an option that 
you enjoy eating because a lot of people, you know, think healthy eating yeah. and they think chicken and broccoli and we're like, no, you can eat healthy and eat really delicious food. So that's, um, that's kind of how we got our start and why we're named what we're named today. Yeah, no, that's great. The food, by the way, looks delicious. Uh, I feel a bit hungry now. <laughs> no, you said you've had this company for six years, seven years. Did you say six years? Six, a little over six years. Yeah. So, how many people are currently working for, for, in your company? I think I eleven. Uh, 11. Most of them are part-time. So the nature of the business, it's, um, we cook on the weekends and deliver yeah. on Sunday and Monday. So I have a few full-time staff, my kitchen manager, um, my lead, my plate manager. So she's the one who, after the kitchen prepares the food, she puts it all into the packaging and make sure that it's as full as it's supposed to be and, um, looks good. And then I have a, one other employee who is full-time with me he's um not salaried and then the rest of them are mostly part-time yeah but when you started uh it was just you right because did you have a couple of friends to help you out no it was me and my husband my husband helped me for the first year he helped a lot um my friends no they they talked about it they seemed interested but when I finally bit the bullet they just kind of were like no we're good (laughs) so it was me and him for a while and I had no idea what I was doing. Um, it grew, it grew slowly, but steadily for the first few years. So that what I was lucky with, I got to kind of learn as I went, but, um, if my husband hadn't been helping me at least cook in the kitchen, that's where he helped me was with the cooking. I would have been in trouble because when I started, I couldn't even cook chicken. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, he doesn't do anything with it anymore though, but it started with him. And then I'd say maybe, Six months in, I hired my first two employees who would come help me on the weekend. And then a year into it, I got pregnant with my son. And up until this point, I hadn't really been treating it like a business. I didn't go into it with the mindset of, I want to be a business owner. I want to start a business. I went into it with, I don't want to work for anyone else. And I, you know, or even if I did want to work for anyone else, I couldn't find a job. So I was like, I'm going to do this. Um, And so I hadn't really... I didn't have any systems in place. I didn't have processes in place. I just went in, directed everyone as I went. So when I found out I was pregnant, I knew that I had to make a big shift because I didn't know how much time I was going to need to take off to have my son. And I knew that I couldn't afford to shut down for any significant amount of time. So that was really a big turning point for me from going from just kind of a, I don't know what you call like gig work and not gig work, but, um, really just the mindset shift of moving into more of, okay, I'm a business owner. I have this business. It's doing well. I need to actually have things in place so that I can step aside and it can run without me. Yeah. But when you started, because you said you had a master's degree in psychology. I mean, that's quite, quite, quite a shift. Running your own business and it's a physical business, you know, where you have to cook and take orders and and do books and all, all of that. Yeah. So how did you how did you learn? Did you did you take some courses or did you just learn online but by look you know watching some YouTube videos? How how did you go about learning? Trial and error for a long time. Um, I did not. I didn't. I don't even think I thought about 
taking any courses or anything at that point. I, I got a business coach three years in and I wish that I had even thought about that. I didn't even know that was a thing, which is what's so crazy to me now because I am in the coaching world too and they're everywhere. But um, at that, when I started it, I didn't even think to really look for help in that sort of way. So it was a lot of trial and error and just, um, yeah. Um, so I, what, yeah, oh, go ahead. <laughs> so what was the biggest mistake you made when you, you know, just started the business? What was the oh biggest you know, mistakes? So when I just started, it was pretty smooth sailing. I didn't really run into any problems until probably two years, not any big problems. It was, um, you know, I probably didn't grow as quickly as, as a business-minded person would have. I didn't go into it with that mindset. So it allowed me the space to figure things out as I go, um, but not really a huge mistake. My big, big mistake came when I started growing a lot and I started taking out loans and I started purchasing equipment and I stopped being, I hired a bookkeeper. So up until that point, I had been keeping track of my numbers in a simple Excel sheet. I knew what I had left at the end of the month. I knew it was in my bank account. And when we started growing a lot, we started expanding. I started spending money and I hired a bookkeeper because our finances got complicated. And she was sending me back my profit and loss statement at the end of the month. I didn't understand what I was looking at. So I got into a lot of trouble financially because I didn't know what I was looking at when I was looking at my numbers. And I didn't realize that my profit and loss statement didn't show me uh, loans that were being paid because those are on a separate statement. It didn't show me, um, there was a lot that wasn't on there. And so when I was looking at it at the end of the month thinking, okay, I have this much money in the bank, I'm, we're doing well, I didn't realize that there were other payments being made eating into my cash flow. I also really, really, really big mistake was putting long-term debt on credit cards that had to be paid off immediately. So for example, we needed a delivery vehicle that needed to be refrigerated because our deliveries were getting so big, we just couldn't do it the way that we had been. And the refrigeration system after I bought the unit was $17,000. And I put it on a credit card that had to be paid off in a month. Um, Business credit cards have to be paid off immediately, or at least the one I have. And so it ate into my cash flow, and I thought we were safe. I thought we had that much coming in; we could afford it. But what ended up happening was just this snowball effect of me thinking that the money was in the bank, it not being there, spending it, putting it on things that had to be paid off, and then it caught up with me to the point where I had not a lot of business debt, but I had no cash flow at all. And I near I came to a point where we were nearing bankruptcy. Um, literally. I ended up having to apply for a loan to help pay off some of my debt so that I could have cash in the bank. And it hit my bank account the day before payroll. Otherwise, I wouldn't have made payroll that week. I mean, it was like when the bomb's ticking and you're like, oh, the last second, that was that yeah. was me. And so for me, knowing your numbers, which I've talked to so many entrepreneurs who are like, oh, it's not that important, or I don't want to look at them, or they seem scary. It is so, so, so important to pay attention to that and to know what you're looking at. Because you also mentioned that um, your financial state can also affect your mental state as a result. Oh, yes. So how did you feel about that then? I mean, how, how did it affect you emotionally, mentally? 
Uh, a lot. Um, I still, it's two years later, I still wake up in the middle of the night with extreme anxiety about losing all my money. <laughs> so it was really bad for a while. I mean, it affected, I'm a very, I'm, I'm very independent, which is also kind of a problem. Um, even though in America we're taught to be like, no, independence is good. So I didn't tell my husband about any of this going on. It impacted our marriage. Um, actually right after I recovered from bankruptcy, I went into my husband and I went through a whole bunch of stuff because of, you know, just me being me. And on top of that, growing a business, going through all of this and hiding it from him. So it, it was, it was rough. It was extremely stressful. And, um, I did, I would wake up in the middle of the night with extreme anxiety. I wouldn't sleep. I was just nauseous all the time. So like, this is my livelihood. This is how I'm supporting my family. I've grown this. And it wasn't even that my business wasn't successful. It is, it's very successful in terms of, you know, we have a product that people love. We make the sales. I just was making mistakes on my end for how I was spending my money and it got us in a lot of trouble. So mentally I found myself in a pretty dark place. And I knew once the money hit my bank account, I mean, even if it hadn't, I had to pull myself out of it because there was no way that I could keep running my business living in that fear. And I know that if that's what I'm sitting and I'm going to just keep attracting it into me. So I had to pull myself out of it. Yeah. So compared to your you know, corporate job, the job you did before, I mean, did you have uh, episodes in your life when you were anxious before or did it happen when you actually ran into problems with in your business? Are, are you um, really an anxious person? No, I, I, my relationship with money has never been very healthy. So it's something I've always been working on. Um, so I have had those issues there and I can see how it rolled over into my business you know, just this kind of avoidance specifically where I'm like, I'm just not going to look at it or I'm going to, you know, think I understand and think that I'm safe, but it doesn't work like that. You can't avoid your financial problems, but not to the extent that they were when all of this was going on. Um, so this was completely new territory for me. I was used to, you know, I knew what I always knew that I could make it and it, I never had anyone else relying on me. And I never also was in a point where I owed money or other people's lives were dependent on me. And so this was just a whole new situation of not only is my family going to be impacted, but my employees and my customers. And, you know, so, and also, which as much as I hate to say it, but the whole, what are, what are people going to think of me if I completely failed this? So just the psychological aspect of your own idea of self-worth and what you're capable of, even though it shouldn't be tied to that, it is. So it was whole new territory for sure. Yeah. But uh, uh, no, what you're saying, actually, it's, I mean, there's plenty of um, uh, research evidence uh, suggesting that there is a correlation between the mental health stresses and entrepreneurship because but we still kind of we don't know what's causing what are we likely to be <laughs> more stressed as a result of entrepreneurial oh. activities so because we we tend to be more anxious you know as you know in our personality tend to be more anxious we tend to go into entrepreneurship activities but still there is a correlate correlation we end up having more stress as a you know when when we run our own businesses and like you said you know it's 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 really a, a terrible situation where you have to hide from from your loved ones you know when something like that happens but you know just just kind of um 
going back to that time, did you have any um, network of friends or maybe some other entrepreneurs you could talk to uh, about the situation? How did you, or were you just by yourself trying to figure this out? I did. I, so I didn't talk to anyone. Me just being who I, and I now I know I talk to my husband. I'm like, okay, this is where we're at. This is what has to happen, you know? And I've, I've, um, I did eventually open up to him at, when I was on the brink of just mental breakdown. I was like, this is what's going on. So I finally did. At that time, um, I was in a mastermind that was after I had joined a group coaching program. So I wasn't a mastermind. I did have other entrepreneurs, but I didn't talk to them about it either. It wasn't something I was like, what is this going to look like? I'm a failure. And so I really just kept it all to myself and to the outside world. I pretended like everything was okay. And that is not the way to do things. It can be very heavy. Um, after I went through all of this, I actually came across a book and I highly recommend it for any entrepreneur. It's called The Road Less Stupid by Keith Cunningham. I'm actually reading it right now. Are you? It's so good. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, because it's, it's it makes really, you, yeah, I've you're right. book for a couple of years and I've, I've I kind of, I have to read it. I have to read it. And it's always like, cause, well, I'm not reading. I'm, I'm listening on Audible. But uh, it was, you know, in my library. And I finally managed to get to listen to that book. And it's brilliant. Because, yeah, I mean, one financial mistake can haunt you for years. Yeah. Well, yeah. and it just shows you because we feel so isolated and alone as entrepreneurs. But in reality, most entrepreneurs, there is rarely an entrepreneur who has not had a struggle you know, or who has not failed or started a business and failed. And so, you know, I had gotten so wrapped up in myself really and what I was doing and what others were going to think of me and, you know, um, failing other people. This book is, he's just like, look at all of the times that I have failed, you know, and he's uh, what a multimillionaire at least now, which yeah. I'm not exactly striving for that, but um, I'm happy where I'm at, but you know, it just shows you that you're not, you might be alone in your specific struggle, but you're not alone with the struggles that you have. Others have it. And yeah. so reach out to them, talk to them, you know, get that support. It's not easy. I mean, for me, it's not easy. I'm not very good at being vulnerable and that's a very vulnerable thing for me, but I'm working on it. And it has been so helpful for me to open up that within myself because I can come and say, Hey, I'm struggling with this. And someone else can go, me too. <laughs> like, or I have too, and I can help you through it. Or I can at least, you know, be here and know what you're going through. So that, you know, yes, know your numbers, but I guess my bigger piece of advice would be to don't be afraid to find someone to talk to who might understand. And now it's so easy to do that. I mean, there's Facebook groups, there's LinkedIn, there's all sorts of spaces where you can almost even, you know, just go in a group of people you don't know and say, Hey, I'm really struggling with this. Can someone please, you know, just provide me some support. And there are people who will do it. Yeah. So um, and I didn't even know that that was available when I was going through all of this and I wasn't ready to open up to the people closest to me. So I just held it all in. Yeah. yeah. So you've had, you've had the business for six years now. Have you ever thought of giving up and going back to nine till five job? A lot. Oh. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, I don't, sometimes it, it rattles around in my mind and I'm like, Oh, I could just go work for someone else and it would be so easy and I wouldn't have to worry about any of this stuff. Um, but I've grown it to the point where I don't work in it that much. So right now I work in it maybe 10 hours a week. Um, although I am, so we're still recovering from all of our financial 
my financial mishaps. Um, I will be taking over. I haven't been doing our marketing for about a year now because I had a contract with the company. So I'll be taking over that, which is fine, but I don't work in it that much. And I ideally, my goal is to completely recover it, get it healthy to the point where I can step away from it and just let my team run it. Um, but yes, there have been many times when I'm like, I don't want to deal with the headache of this anymore. I would just go back to a regular job, but I don't want to give up the life that I've created for myself. So, so what are the benefits of being your own boss? I make my own schedule. I mean, I do the times that I'm with my company, I do have to, so I have to work Friday mornings and I'm usually there on Saturday. Other than that, my time is flexible. Um, I can take off. I might have built my team to the point where I can take off if I need or want to. So um, they have it handled and that is wonderful. So it's just, for me, it's the freedom. It's the ability to come and go as I please. It's the ability to set my own schedule um, to be, you know, home with my son or my husband, whenever I want to be, uh, it's, it's just the freedom. I don't like being constricted. So the whole idea of a nine to five for me, while the potential, um, financial security that that might pr- provide me with, which even, you know, that's not really a thing because you never know what's actually going behind the scenes of another company or how stable your job actually is. People who thought their jobs are stable would have have them ripped out from underneath them with no warning. So um, I just, it's not worth it for me to have to come and go by someone else's um, time, I guess. And I'm, you know, and not having to answer to someone else. Not that I have a huge problem with that, but I'm, are you familiar with the Enneagram? That it's a personality thing. So um, I'm an eight on it, which we don't like being controlled. And I don't really love living my life by that, but I can see that in myself. So I have a hard time answering to people, especially when they don't hold a lot of respect for the people under them. So yeah. there's a lot, but yeah. I've definitely, I'm like weighed the pros and cons before. <laughs> yeah. But you know, looking at the, the business model of your company and, um, I mean, how, how it's been doing in, in the last, um, well, I guess it's it's pro- probably the the large part of the two, 2020. I mean, when we, you know, du- during the COVID, COVID pandemic, how, because we, we, we've seen all this news about um, just do, doing, you know, absolutely great and then increasing the customer base and people just ordering stuff online and and this this is what your company does right it's 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 um prepares meals and and um and, and sends meals to to the customers so how you've been how how's the business been during the covid pandemic did you have more sales did you have more growth was it we we stayed consistent through it so um we were really consistent with what we did last year I think when the pandemic hit, we lost some customers who may have lost their jobs or were worried about financial security, but then we gained people who now were home more or their situation changed and they wanted food. So we stayed pretty consistent, luckily. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's been good for us. We didn't lose a lot of business. We didn't gain a lot, but we are a little, I think, pricier than um, other companies who are available. 
for this type of service just by the nature of one being a small local company who can't bulk order stuff at the rates other companies can. So we, we remain consistent and we did actually end up picking up a contract for a little bit with our local council on aging. So they do meals on wheels for elderly and they got so bombarded during COVID that we ended up helping them quite a bit for a couple months. And we're still doing a little bit for them each week. I'm hoping that we can eventually obtain a full-time contract with them. That would be ideal. But right now we're just helping them where we can. So we did actually um, see an increase in sales from that, but not from um, just regular customer orders. Yeah, but you didn't have to massively pivot because of the loss of sales or anything like that, no? No, we, I mean, our business model, it just, it, we got really lucky with this because we're not, we have grab and go locations where people can come into the store and pick meals up, but those weren't shut down. So we're not really a restaurant in terms of people coming in and sitting down and eating. So we were able to operate the whole time. We're all, you know, mostly delivery based. So yeah, we've just moved from a small village, and we we we, ha, we had a pub in that village, and of course, pub has been closed for 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 a few months. I mean, 2020, and uh, our local pub, pub was actually selling at some point, you know, like produce to to the elderly, you know, like milk and eggs, and kind of trying to pivot and come up with all sorts of creative ideas just to survive. But yeah, it's been. A very difficult time for a lot of restaurants and hence you know people just kind of started switching to ordering food online but um, you know you mentioned uh, mindset the, uh, the fact that it's important for an entrepreneur to have the right mindset how do you define mindset and what type of mindset do people need to develop to be oh successful that's a good how do I define mindset it, it would be I mean the set point of your mind your um, average thought process patterns, the energy that you sit in most of the time. So are you generally walking around with a positive mindset, positive attitude, um, a positive outlook? Are you looking for the, the lessons you can learn from the quote unquote negative things that happen in your life? Or are you sitting in the negative most often? So that's, that's mindset to me is just kind of your, your average set point. Developing a positive one. Is that what you, or how do I maintain? Yeah. Practice. <laughs> for sure. How do you have all the thoughts, you know, negative thoughts popping into your head? How, what do you do? How do you deal with this? So I, um, I do a lot of questioning for me and this has sort of been a long process. I used, I started with affirmations and really feeling in my body, you know, what I wanted to experience. So just trying that feeling on and pumping yourself up. Um, I went to, I actually went to a Tony Robbins event for business mastery right before, literally a month before I was going through the process of, um, trying to get a loan for my company. And so that helped a lot. He's, he's all about, you know, just feeling the energy that you want to feel and pumping yourself up. So I practiced a lot of that, but then I also found that to an extent that wasn't helping me, not that it wasn't, but that things just kept coming up for me. So I do a lot of questioning. If I have a limiting belief or a doubt coming up, I'll I'll ask questions around it. You know, where is this coming from? Um, Why do I think this? What, what's true about this or what's not true about this? 
what might really be lying beneath the surface. Um, especially working on my relationship with money, because just in general, I've always been, I don't like to say bad with money, but I, you know, I, I spend it the minute it hits my pocket. I have a hard time saving. So I've been working on that and it's, you know, why do I feel like I need to spend money the, the minute it hits my pocket? And often what we'll do is say, oh, I'm good with money. I'm a great saver. I'm a great saver. But if you don't realize that maybe your spending is tied to say your sense of self-worth, then you can't actually work on that. So for me saying, okay, why do I feel like I need to go buy something as soon as I make money? Or why do I feel like I can't earn more money? You know, why do I believe that I'm capped at where I'm at right now? Exploring that really helps to break it down. Yeah. Yeah. So when, um, when you just um, started your business, which was, you said six, about six years ago, um, what was the greatest challenge you had to overcome? Um, maybe not just six years ago maybe maybe you know throughout your entrepreneurial sort of journey what was the greatest challenge you had to overcome I think um I mean aside from a lot of my financial stuff one big thing there are two things really one was talking to my employees when something needed to be corrected I've had this fear that if I come to them and I'm like, this needs to change and I'm I don't even like calling them employees I call them my team just I don't I don't know. I liked that better. Um, so, but I have this fear that they'll leave me. So if I get upset about something, I always try to, you know, first of all, calm myself down. I never come to them really in, um, a negative or angry state because I don't really think that does anyone good, but I've had, I just have had this fear of talking to them and it's prevented me from working on problems within my company that need to be solved. And so I would tiptoe around things or I would kind of have the conversations that needed to be had. I used to have a lot of animosity between two of my employees. They just did not get along. And, um, for a long time, I kind of refused to see that it was one of them who's no longer with my company. And the whole dynamic of my team has changed. But um, so I would tiptoe around issues that needed to be resolved and they would keep coming up because I was afraid of offending anyone or hurting anyone's feelings. Or I was scared that they were all going to leave me and I was going to be stuck on my own, which I know seems really weird. <laughs> but or, <laughs> it's a problem to hire new people where you are. I know. Well, they, I have such a great team. I mean, and that's it is um, like, I have such an amazing team that I'm afraid that I'm not going to be able to replace that. And I know eventually I will, but I was like, oh my God. Anyway, so I know it was irrational, but it was a fear. So it was learning how to talk to them and how to show up as a leader in my business and show up as a boss and say the things that needed to be said, make the corrections that needed to be made so that my company runs the way I want it to. And so that my customers have the experience that I want them to have. Um, because I'd never been in a position like that before. And it just is, conf- I can be very confrontational at times, which is so weird. But if it's with people that I'm close to, I have a hard time with it. It's such a strange thing. <laughs> if I don't know you, we'll, I'll go at it all day. But um, the other big thing for me was putting myself out as the face of my business. For years, I hid behind it. I thought, especially being a woman in a mostly male-dominated industry, I felt like if I showed my face as the owner, that customers wouldn't take me seriously or they wouldn't take my business seriously because I was a, a woman owning a company. And I feel like that's so outdated and old, but I just had this 
deeply ingrained in me that I couldn't be taken seriously as a woman. And I had a, you know, I struggled with that. Yeah, because I, I, I couldn't find on your uh, website anything about oh, yeah. running the business. I was like, I um, no, I, I don't even know why now I don't, I've gone, we used to do live videos once a week and I'd be like, Hey, it's Diane, the owner. And I would make recipes. And so I've gotten over that. I should put a pay. I'm, I've been meaning to do that for probably two years now. I tell my employees like every so often, I'm like, okay, we're going to do an about page. I need to get your picture and some information. And then it just doesn't happen. So I'll work yeah. on that. <laughs> it needs yeah. to be. It would be nice to actually see who, who's behind yeah. the beautiful website and, and, and really sleek brand. Because it, it looks really fantastic and yeah, really nice food. But um, uh, Diane, it's interesting everything you say. But you know, if you were to start this business again, would you do things differently this the second time? Um, yes and no. I mean, I would know what I was doing going into it. So I think if somebody else wanted to start a meal prep company, I could hands down show, you know, hand you the ropes, show you what to do. If I were to start it again, I would, I mean, I just, I would know more. So yes. And I would be more careful with my spending. So I, I think we can get really wrapped up in our growth. That's part of what happened is we had kind of explosive growth and then we sort of shrank back a little bit and found our sort of stable point. Um, and as a new business owner, when this is happening, you can get really excited. And so we overextended ourselves. I ended up renting. So my building had a unit next to us that was available for rent. I ended up renting that space so that we had more room and now we don't really need it. So I'm actually going to discontinue that part of my lease when it's up um, this year to save money, but it's maxing out your resources before you expand more. I think that would be my number one is, um, really making sure that I was completely tapping out every inch of resources that I had before I went and spent money on more. Yeah. But, um, um, so, so, so primal nauseous is your first business, right? Or did you have businesses before? Nope. It's my first. Your first. So do you have any visions how to grow this business? So maybe do you have any visions how to diversify and go into maybe a different sector, different market, or do you want to stick to the same business model? No, I want out. Food, I love, I mean, I love this company. It's my baby. It was my first, but as much as I love the food, I don't love cooking. Um, so the restaurant industry is not my calling. I actually am moving into coaching. So I, um, sort of branched into business coaching first, but then, like I said earlier, I went through a bunch of stuff with my husband, uh, about last year, no, 20, 2019 was our year where we just kind of things hit the fan. And, um, I had just accelerated personal growth from that process. And I learned a lot of things and I've come to see a lot of things in myself that I see in other people. And so I love sharing my story, sharing what I've learned and helping to guide other people through that. So that's kind of what I'm moving into just slowly taking my time with it, just showing up, talking and sort of seeing where the universe takes me, if you will, kind of leaning a little more into that feminine energy and um, just seeing where, where things go. So I, I guess with your background in psychology, you, you you could move to some kind of a coaching and um, maybe coach business owners who run physical businesses like yours. 
Because again, there are so many coaches that coach coaches, but I haven't met many coaches that coach, you know, business owners of you know physical stores. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's actually something I've been thinking of recently because my husband works for a company. It's an anesthesia management and he loves it. But he's like, there's stuff that is just not organized the way it should be. I was like, you should tell your boss to hire me and I can come in and just watch what's going on and kind of analyze everything and show you where you can um, make changes. Because I love I mean, I thought about starting a new business. I love the process of getting the business up and running of figuring out all the systems. I love the behind the scenes stuff, but now that it's pretty stable and I don't really want to grow it anymore because I'm ready to be out of it. Um, or at least away from it. I'm, I found myself bored. And so, but I love that process. Like, so for me, helping other business owners kind of piece together the puzzle of what's, you know, where can I improve? Where can I be more efficient? Where do I need systems in place? is that's fun to me. I can come in, I can help you solve the problem and then I can move on to somebody else and not, you know, so, um, yeah, I don't, I don't quite know where I'm going to go yet. I'm working still on the health of primal and getting it really yeah. where it needs to be, but also dipping my feet into some other avenues and learning and sharing as I go and just figuring yeah. it out along the way. But like you said, you know, you can just uh, assign a manager who can just kind of oversee the, you know, the business uh, for mm-hmm. you. And you can just come as a CEO, just do the checks and all that, and then just move on and do something else. Write the book <laughs> yeah. or something like that. I don't know. Yeah. Lots of interesting business ideas. But uh, uh, given the, um, the topic of our um podcast and um you know meant you know resiliency and and stuff like that uh how personally you look after your mental health because and and how in in your view how important it is for an entrepreneur actually to look after the mental health is it is it important is it important to build resiliency and if so what's your strategy what's your personal strategy to build resiliency and and look after your own mental health um I think I I have accidentally been forced to build resiliency. (laughs) I don't know if I have a specific tactic for that. There are things you can do. Um, But I I think it's very important. Affirmations. I mean, this is one way. Uh, Gratitude, affirmations, that that helps. Mm -hmm. Um, I think think mental health is extremely important. I, I know I've, there's like two camps of entrepreneurship where it's just like grind, grind, grind. You should be working. 27 hours a day, you know, um, and I've never lived that sleep has always been number one to me. So even in grad school, when people will be up all night studying, I'm like, this is pointless because nothing's going to come in. So, um, sleep is huge. And I think it's huge for mental health to get enough sleep. So I don't sacrifice that at all. I actually didn't sleep very well last night. I'm probably going to go take a nap after we get off this call. Um, um, taking just knowing yourself. So self-awareness has been really huge for me because I know for me, I need my own personal space at least once a day to just decompress and unwind. And I actually take it two times. So in the morning, after I drop my son off at school, I go through my morning routine, which isn't very long. Um, it's just, I I'll journal and maybe go through some affirmations or some scripting or do an Oracle card pull just to kind of get my mind running on something. And then in the evenings I go to bed, my husband and I actually sleep separately because I'm so big on my sleep and he snores and 
it just, it works really well for us. So, um, I go to bed, I meditate before bed, which is huge for me. And I actually do a, what I've called a roaming meditation. So this has been really powerful. Um, instead of trying to quiet your mind, I just sit and let my mind go. And I have worked out personal issues. I have come up with ideas. Um, so if you struggle, I always tell people, like, if you struggle with actually sitting there trying to just focus on your breath or quiet your mind, just let your mind roam. Don't try to force it anywhere. Just watch what comes up. Um, so that's, those are the ways that I really practice my mental health is knowing what I need for myself and allowing myself the time and space to take that. Um, and then you can build, so one way I like to build resiliency is cold showers. <laughs> it's another way. Um, whenever, and I struggle with that still because I'm like, oh, I don't want to. But I think sometimes just taking, you know, even if it's once a week, pushing yourself to do something that you really don't want to do or that, you know, might make, you know, doing a workout that's a little harder than what you normally do or not injuring your, you know, being careful still, but just stepping outside of your comfort zone in some way, even if it's just a small little step to help to expand that and to work on your, on that resiliency. Yeah. I'm going to ask an awkward question. Do you have thinking time? Because <laughs> you, you know, you, you said you've read that book and you would recommend entrepreneurs, but as far, you know, I, I, I've read, I think, a couple of chap chapters and he suggests, um, you know, in the, in the road less stupid, he suggests you have about an hour of thinking time. Uh, do you practice thinking time? Yeah. So that's essentially what my motivate my uh, meditation is, except for. Um, so I read this book actually a while ago. And when I was reading it, I did run through some of the questions and think on those. Um, I don't it's been a minute since I, I don't know if his thinking is very active or if it's more passive, but that's what I do instead of, you know, meditating the traditional way is I just sit and think, but I do it more passively. So instead of trying to be like, I need to think about solving this problem, I might posit a question in my mind and it might go to it or it might go somewhere else. But this really has helped to give me a ton of clarity. I haven't been able to sit for an hour though. I usually make it about 30 minutes. Well, he says he does 45 minutes and then you kind of take notes and you, you reflect, but he suggested not even looking uh, at, uh, at your window or something like that and um, just kind of focus on, on, on a paper and have, have a pen in, in uh, yeah, and just kind of write it down if whatever comes to your mind. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that, that, that's interesting. The thing is, it's, it's finding that time to meditate and finding that time to actually sit down and think. But then on another hand, like he says, you know, if you make silly financial decisions, you know, it can haunt you for the rest of your life and, again, impact on your mental health as a result. But um, I know it's interesting what you're saying, but uh, do you think that today, I mean, obviously, you know, we we in this, I think I think we're in the third lockdown now, so it's uh, it's we we can't go anywhere right now in the UK, but uh, it's it's a difficult time for many, right? Uh, would you advise people to start kind of thinking about what what you know starting a, a, a business during this time because many people. Um, who have been furloughed, uh, I mean, they will lose their jobs, right? Because many businesses are on the brink of collapse, uh, in the UK anyway. Um, 
But what, what advice would you give to these people? Would, would, uh, you know, is it an option for, to to actually start the business, or should they wait, uh, or, or should they just go for it? Um, I think that they. It depends. So it's not that they shouldn't start, but I think that if it's going to eat at you financially, then maybe paying it, you know, definitely pay attention to your financial situation. If it's a sort of brick and mortar business where you're going to have to dump a lot into it, you're not sure if it's going to succeed, you know, be safe with that. But if it's something where you can start it and it's not going to cost you a lot financially and you can still, you know, take care of everything else, definitely people are still spending money. I've seen you know, I've seen plenty of people and I am in the coaching space pretty heavily also just for what I surround myself with when I'm on social media. Um, it's just kind of what's been attracted to me. I've seen people starting businesses, having their first year be 50, 80, $100,000 businesses, you know, last year in 2020. So I don't think that, you know, we should be afraid to start a business because it might not succeed. I think it's just doing it smartly and not, dumping a lot of money into it until you have money coming back in or, or unless you know you're financially safe for sure. So that's the only, only reason that I would really be wary. Um, I don't want anyone to hurt themselves in the long run by doing this. Um, but I don't think that you should not do it because you feel like people aren't spending as they definitely are. I mean, look at, you can look at Amazon. I think what we were talking about Chipotle yesterday, I guess they had one of their best years. Um, so yeah, people are spending, there's somebody out there who's going to want what you have to offer. It's just learning how to position yourself in such a way and doing it in such a way that you, um, yeah, you're, you're promoting yourself and not hurting, setting yourself back. And definitely thinking about your finances. <laughs> I mean, that's always top of mind for me. I'm like, just do, be safe. Please just be safe. I don't want anyone to go through what I went through because it was not, not fun. <laughs> Yeah. So to wrap up uh, our conversation, what would be your, you know, last advice to female entrepreneurs? Because it's, you know, it's our main uh, audience, female entrepreneurs. What would you tell them? Maybe some advice you can give them that can help them in their businesses. Be very, you know, so maybe because this is something that I've been struggling with recently, but Get really clear on your idea of success um, because we can get so wrapped up in other people's success that we think we should have it and we're upset when we don't. So the whole comparison game. So get really clear on your ideas of success and be very particular about who you pay attention to and who you follow. So we're spending a lot more time on social media. Um, Curate that because as an entrepreneur, if your business isn't going the way you think it should be going, you can get really stuck in your head about that. Um, and so being mindful about what's coming in and putting your head down, grinding, going for it and not paying attention to all of the outside noise, tuning into what feels right for you is, has also been really big for me. I for a long time was doing things the way that everyone else said I was supposed to, and it didn't work for me and I wasn't happy and I wasn't comfortable. So when you start to listen to your own inner guidance and what feels right for you, things can begin shifting. Um, there is a balance there though. I mean, obviously if you're like, well, what feels good to me is just to not really do a whole lot. You know, you might not find your business going the way you want to. So finding that balance. So I'd say get clear on your idea of success and remind yourself of it frequently. So you're not getting wrapped up in what other people are, you know, saying you should do, or you should have, um, 
if what somebody else is telling you to do doesn't feel right for you, question it, dig into it, you know, maybe try a different route, try something that does feel good for you, but also find that balance. So you don't want to be so far that you're burning yourself out, but you also don't want to lean too far onto the other side where you're, you know, not doing the things you need to do to grow. So finding that. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for your advice. And I, I do I do agree that it, there is no one um, success for formula that fits all. And you have to find your own path and through perhaps trial and error. And uh, you'll get there with a little bit of consistency and pers- persistence as well. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, no, I, I wish you all the best in 2021. <laughs> And let this year be successful for Primal Nosh. Thank you so much for coming Thank to you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Mental Wealth Entrepreneurs Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this show. Please send me any comments or feedback. If you're an entrepreneur and want to share your story, please contact me. The link is in the podcast show notes. Also, please see the social media links and uh, links to offers from my guests on the podcast notes. This podcast is sponsored by Smart Octopus Voice Agency, who create chatbots and voice skills on Amazon Alexa and Google Assistant. So I'm really excited uh, to tell you that this podcast is now available as an Alexa skill. Uh, so you can search for resilient entrepreneur skill and enable it as a flash briefing so that's all for me um, i wish i wish you good mental health and you are just one mind hack away till next time